Recorded live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Cisco Champions Radio. I am Lauren, your often host, and this is actually episode 13 of season two, uh, where today we're going to be discussing 4G with David and Mike and Chris, who will be joining us in a moment. Um, David, who are you and what do you do? Why don't you give a quick overview? Okay. Hey, Lauren. Hey, guys. Uh, Dave Mindell. I'm a Cisco systems engineer, and I work to uh, assist customers create new services, often around cellular wireless technology. Fantastic. Mike, who are you and what do you do? Uh, I am a network and collaboration engineer, and I have actually done quite a bit of work with uh, 4G at uh, the place where I'm currently employed. So that's why I was interested in this this episode. Very cool. All right, uh, Dave, do you, can you give us an overview, um, maybe thirty thousand feet? What is four G? Absolutely, it's a good way to sort of get the conversation started. So that's the question, right? What is four G? Well, four G is a term that's used to represent you know today's cellular wireless technology and offerings from service providers. It's often called LTE, and LTE is mainly known for connecting smartphones and tablets to the Internet and recently actually uh, providing capability for voice calls. But LTE can provide much more. It can provide last-mile access for like a store, office, a temporary site, you know, transport vehicles. And because of the continuing improved performance, availability, and capability for troubleshooting, LTE can be used for primary or, depending on the use case, uh, backup WAN connection. So we're seeing a lot of successful uh, implementations, use cases, and that's due to the fact that LTE can integrate with existing network designs and, and offer some new opportunities for them. So is it part of the iWAN? Well, there's a good question. Well, you know, if, if you're not part of iWAN, where are you, right? Um, and LTE can absolutely be used as a last-mile access and part of, of IWAN, yes. Awesome. Mike, did you want to go ahead? Maybe you're on mute. Oh, yeah, I was on mute. Um, on what, like, what 4G is and how do I use it? Or Sure. Uh, so really the way that uh, I've deployed 4G is as a backup solution, and it's actually quite interesting. We've been using it as SRST for some of our sites as well um, in conjunction with using SIP and in the magical cloud. Um, and it actually works really well, um, has nothing but great results, and have a few sites that are deployed as primary that uh, we can't get kind of our, our cable or T1 connections to. Yeah, Mike, it's it's like you know the things that you're saying. It's uh, we've seen quite a few of those use cases, and you know just like you know just like you've provided here, you know it works well. That's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing some uh, some folks that have locations, and because of the time it takes to provision the wireline, they, they they have a gap right between when they need to open, and um, you know when that circuit's going to be put in. So often the folks you know company will go in and and set up. Uh, LTE and use that for their last mile connection 
then they realize, you know, this thing's pretty cool, and they'll often keep it. So, uh, so it's a backup, right? So once that, that wireline connection goes in, um, they, they can use it. And you also mentioned unified communications, and I think that is a really, really good use case. You know, some folks think, hey, you know, often your LTE connection is, is best effort. But because in 4G versus the older 3G technology, the bandwidth is so much higher and the delay or the latency is so much lower that folks find that, you know, they can support voice applications for, you know, for backup, like, like you mentioned, right, for, um, you, know, uh, you know, remote site survivability for their UC stuff, that it's working really well for them. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, it seems to have uh, worked well for, you know, for, for your company. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, actually, I had one location we had a configuration issue, and um, yeah, we had about I think 75 users, and they didn't even notice a difference with uh, any of their applications, including voice. Yeah, and your point there, Mike, sort of goes back to your question, Lauren. You know, you can use LTE for iWAN. So whether the setup is a you know a a more traditional uh, primary and backup, or whether somebody has employed iWAN so that you can, if you will, do some uh, on-the-fly, you know, dynamic uh, load sharing or putting the appropriate traffic over the appropriate link. It just gives would, you more options. Now, would you be using like ABC for that, or how are you doing? And, and just to clarify, iWAN is the uh, intelligent WAN solution from Cisco. It's not a Apple product, correct? <laughs> that, that, that's right, and of course, there's, there's always some confusion there, since of course Cisco routers run iOS. But let's not let's not go there. But in both cases, we have the capital I. We mean business. Exactly. <laughs> like that one. Oh my! I, I may have just like gotten myself in trouble. Anywho, you may go ahead. Um, so, it, is it with ABC? I totally spaced out there. Well, if, if you're talking ABC from a, a, a codec perspective, Lauren, is that what you're mentioning, or? Um, so this is my uh, sort of lack of knowledge. I'm thinking the application visibility and control that we oh. talk about. Yeah, you're you're thinking the right thing. Um, okay. It's actually also a name of a, of a codec, but um, <laughs> that, that capability um, that iOS has, the one with the big eye, um, really can work just as well whether that last mile access, you know, is a wireline, a, a broadband connection, right, you know, with the VPN over it, or uh, an LTE type connection, whether the LTE connection has, has VPN or not. So, you know, because that, that, if you will, intelligence is built into the network and into the routers, we're good, right? You know, we, we, can, we can support that in a similar fashion. So, you know, we can't say that, that wireless, is you know uh, equivalent in every way uh, to uh, to a wireline connection, but what we're seeing is it's really approaching it, which is very exciting. That's awesome. Um, and what type of hardware are, are we looking at? I guess beyond the router um, for using 4G. Well, that that's a good question, and you know, so it sort of goes back to you know how how 4G gets used and. You know, obviously, folks are familiar with you know their tablets and their smartphones that that have a 4G radio you know built right into them, right? So you know, sort of out of the box, they're working. And from the network side, uh, you know, our routers, the Cisco uh, ISRs, support 4G. Some models 
have the 4G radio electronics just built into them. Like we have an 800 series that has that. So you get the right model, if you will, and the radios in there. For the modular routers, um, there's our, you know, our circuit cards, right? You know, they all have different names for, for our ISR Generation 2s. They're the EHWICs. And you can get a 4G card, you know, put it in. Of course, make sure you have the right level of iOS. Get a SIM, right, from your, you know, from your service provider in, in the appropriate plan. And with the right configuration, away you go. So we have both fixed port and modular routers. That, 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 that's a great question. One other thing to mention is that you know, today the various providers and the providers in various countries, you know, they all sort of have their own frequency bands that are mm. used. So because of that, with the current te technology, that often means that you need to make sure you got the right radio electronics. So that means that you might have a different module, or for the fixed function functions, you may have a different model 819 for example, for a different country. And of course, the data sheets all have all that detail, but figure is worth calling out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you've got to make sure you've got like the right SKU exactly. for like Europe or the U.S. or something, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, that for like Verizon, AT&T, they're, they're both separate SKUs as well. Exactly, exactly. And, and um, sometimes even the technology is different because the cool thing about 4G is, although coverage is great, for 4G, for most major providers, let's say in the U.S., uh, these these modems tend to have the ability, the ra the radio electronics have the ability to say, hey, if I'm too far away, I can't get what I really want, which is the 4G signal. They can often fall back to a 3G signal, which provides a bit less performance and a, a, a bit um, a higher latency, but again, it allows you to function still, right, sort of regardless of where you are. And in some of the provider networks, that 3G technology is very, very different from one another. The 4G technologies are sort of becoming standardized, which is great, but the 3Gs were rather different depending upon providers. So that's another reason why getting the right SKU is important. They tend to have the right fallback, and they make sure that they work on the right frequency band for your provider. Okay, and I'm guessing we even still see some 2G hanging around for good measure. Yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess what what do most of most users or sites use for their connectivity? Um, is it? Well, I mean, is there like an you know is is everyone on the A19 or? Oh, oh, so, gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, well, hey, Mike, I think you had something there. Let me let yeah. you jump in. Uh, we we often deploy it with uh, like the ISR the 1900 model and use just the card and then just recently we started using the 819 because it's kind of that that all in one box and it's actually a pretty tough little box um, so and we we often deploy in like warehouse type scenarios so that that's kind of been our, our preference uh, today is the 819 but I, I have quite a bit of the uh, like the 1921s deployed as well. And I'm seeing what Mike's seeing, uh, you know, in the same way Mike's using. So it really depends on the use case. A lot of times folks want to use the modular ISRs, obviously, to add other capabilities, right, or they want uh, a bit more horsepower or they need other types of wireline connections, right, and, and maybe more than one of them. So for those, it's great to be able to just add the 4G card into an existing modular. But the 819, 
that's a cool, that's a cool little box, right? Because what you can do is you can sort of connect it up, let's say with like a Cat6 cable and do like a power or Ethernet injector and put it a bunch of floors up or some hard to play, uh, reach place or where the reception's better. And when you connect it back to that um, you know, remote site switch, you can still do things like router redundancy. So it really gives you some really cool options. So really it depends, but the good news is with the ISR line, you have choices depending on what your use case is. So just for my period curiosity, um, Mike, what sort of stress have you been putting the 819 under at these at manufacturing sites? Uh, well, like I said earlier, we we've had we had a site that had a configuration issue, and I had about 75 users that filled over. They they had no idea they were on 4G, and we had no business impact to that location, and that was with. Uh, at least 40 people using IP phones in some some fashion, um, and then also just regular data usage and uh, internal applications as well. Yeah, and you know what's really cool about that, Mike, is you know people often think, hey, I have a, a best effort service, right? But there are still ways to deploy QoS even sure. with a best effort link. So, like what you're saying is. Hey, if you know there's going to be a lot of data traffic or you know things going on, but you want to make sure the voice you know gets first crack, there there are ways to do that. And uh, something else that yeah, sorry, Mike. No, I, I was just going to say uh, our provider is actually working with us on a way to where they will actually trust our QoS markings. So it's been a pretty cool experience. And I think another thing the providers have realized that. You know, especially with cell phones today, everyone has them, and they don't tolerate uh, their cell phone not working. And I think they've really taken a, a huge step in redundancy in all their towers to make sure that, you know, if they lose some radios, they're not, you're not going to be completely down. So I think that's another reason why 4G is such a reliable solution. I mean, it, it will never replace the wire completely, but, you know, as a backup, it's it's a safe backup. Yep. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, uh, Lauren, you mentioned IWAN. What we're seeing is, you know, um, organizations want to have that higher availability. So they want to have more than one last mile access connection, one more than one WAN connection in. And so wireless and wireline together are, are very complementary. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, Mike, you made me think of is, you know, you mentioned, hey, you had that site down, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know things sort of rolled over, right? To the it failed over to the um, wireless backup link, and you know things were good, right? While while the primary link was was fixed. But one of the cool use cases that that we've come up with is using like an 819 and LTE as the out of band access for a primary router instead of those old dial up POTS modems. So that's a really cool new application. And like, you know, if you've been in this environment, right? It's like it's great to be able to get into your router when it's when there's some sort of issue and be able to, you know, get on and do some diagnostics. Uh but if you ever have to do things like, you know, download a patch or something, uh, you know, that modem I mean, it, it makes a lovely sound but you're not going to exactly have the best speeds, you know, downloading a new image or something like that. So That brings you back to your use, though, that lovely modem sound. <laughs> or at least actually, mine, I don't know. actually, what I found with the, the last couple places I've worked that have been 
you know, testing out the 4G technology is that, uh, you know, yes, you can do the modem, but it's actually getting harder to figure out, you know, where exactly you place that modem. Do you, do you have, like, a server in your data center and you've got a modem connected to it? Because, you know, your IT employees typically do not have, you know, a telephone line at their house. And that's when you're going to need it the most is whenever you're on call 2 a.m. or something. You know, I, you're not going to have that, that access at home. So kind of building a server that would support that type thing where you can basically SSH into it. It's like, you know, is that really worth it at the end of the day, or do we need to just look at more reliable options here? Now, Mike, I think I think you've got a bullseye on that one. It's like as long as you have Internet access, right, and you can do an SSH session, you know, you, you can get into these routers, and, and there's all sorts of cool stuff, right? You can say, well, yeah, but how about if the LTE service is dynamic IP? Well, I, ISR support DDNS, right? Dynamic right. domain name service. So you can always find your router, which is, you know, which is pretty cool. So I agree with you. It, it opens up the options of being able to reach out of band and not assume that you have something like a POTS line where that administrator is. I, I think that is, that's exactly what we're seeing. Some other cool things we've been doing around you know, out of band and diagnostics is um, we have some apps. I guess you could call them iOS apps, but we're not going to go there again. <laughs> Little and, I. Um, and, and, uh, this time, they're, well, they're still big eyes. Oh. And, um, and these apps actually run on the router. And we got one that lets you do diagnostics or configure or do site surveys via text message. Good old text message. Wait, so you're relying on text message for this? Or well, you're not relying on it. It's uh -huh. an option. It's one more way to go out of band to the router. And yes, we can protect it, have whitelists and things like that. And, and the good news is, you know, these these apps they're they're no charge. They're downloadable uh, from from Cisco.com. Um, they're not in uh, the the Cisco validated designs, which which we of course have for 4G along with all the other you know CVD documents. But we have a whole bunch of guides, and you know you can find the links or Google it. It's on Cisco at slash go slash 4G, and uh, we have all sorts of cool guides for what are these apps, how can you download them, and just figured I mentioned that because it's yet one more really cool out of band capability that you just couldn't do with wireline, right, for out of band. So one thing I was wondering, how long does this all take to set up? Is it, I mean, have you guys experienced, is it days, weeks, months? No, it, it's really quick. Um, really, I just, I have a contact with a service provider, whether it be like a Verizon or AT&T. I just sent them an email with basically the, the SIM card number. And within 24 hours, typically, I mean, 48 at the most, it's active and ready to go. So, I mean, really the longest thing is ordering the router and waiting for it to get there. Yep. And, and it's a lot different from waiting weeks or longer, right, for some sort of wireline provisioning. And, and Mike, the use case that you talked about, like, get during the day, that's exactly, you know, the kind of thing that we're seeing when folks are stuck, and now they can recover. Or there's some temporary site that's moving around with some event or um, – you know, in a conference, industry conference or something like that, 
And, you know, the old days, you know, what does everybody do, right? You have to go order way ahead of time to get your broadband circuit. Now sure. you can set up a booth with 4G and you just, you just bring it with you, which is really cool. And that's actually th those type of events and like setting up temporary workspaces. That's another place. I mean, we, we've got a couple, um, I mean, basically what we call our, our loaner, our loaner routers and we'll send those out for these different events. And it's kind of like your, your small event box and your small event in a box because we've, we've got like your switch, a couple ATs and this 4G router and you can give connectivity to everybody in minutes because everything's already set up. As fast as you can get the, uh, you know, you know, the the next day service delivery out there, right? That's how long it yeah, takes. Yeah, definitely. And you can yeah. pretty much tell anybody to plug it in. So I was going to ask, actually, is this built into our like branch in a box solution, or is it like an add-on, or? Well, I, I, you know, if I'm not uh, familiar with you know like any current SKUs for branch in a box. I'm sure they're out there. But um, the, the bottom line is, if there's a branch in a box that has a modular ISR, we can add it. I, I don't know if it's already inside a bundle or not, um, but you know, adding it is uh, is is fairly straightforward. You know, the good news is we have lots of lots of good documentation for you know how to get your 4G uh, connection up and running. But it's certainly a great fit for a branch in a box. And like Mike, you said, for the temporary stuff or the stuff that has to move around for you know for various you know sites or conferences. It's just, it's just, uh, it makes life so much easier, right? To to sort of get up and running for business quickly. But does that yeah. help with? Oh, go ahead. Used to, we would have to order like a DSL or something like that, and yeah, that that was just a nightmare. And then you have to cancel it, and sometimes you forget to cancel it, and then you get in trouble for overpaying. <laughs> um, so I was going to actually ask, does this help for site surveys? Well, the site server thing is cool. I mean, you know, Mike, I'm interested in your experiences. You know, I've worked with many, many customer over, customers over the last four years on deployments. And, of course, unlike wireline, it's very important to have the antennas placed properly. Now, when you get the routers, you know, they come with antennas, they come with some 10-foot extension cables, and, and that really sort of helps out. But you could move a device 20 feet and have a very, very different experience regarding the performance you get. The good news that, is, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, that is absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, we have basically like our, our MDF rooms, and, you know, they, they'll place the 4G router on top of our primary router and we'll have no signal. And either by using the extension cables or simply moving the router into like the next room over, it's night and day difference. Um, in some cases, you can't even get to the router uh, through the 4G interface because the signal is so bad. I mean, granted, these are mostly warehouse deployments that I'm using, but you know, it's kind of like cell reception in the building. If you walk in there with your cell phone, you're not getting any bars in one location. Your 4G router is not going to either. So, yeah, totally, totally right. And, and that's one of those things we were talking about last time. Hey, if it's the installs being done. You know, by an IT professional, it's great. They can, you know, either uh, come in via the network or get a command line interface right from the router. But how about those sites where there isn't necessarily an IT person when the box shows up? Again, we have this really cool app that lets you install 
and then send a text message to the phone. Survey, that's, that's actually the keyword you send. And it returns to you information about the radio signal strength and quality. So by moving that router around a little bit, you can see which location had the best and place it there. And you don't have to be console connected or whatever to it, right? You can do it via text message, which we have found uh, to be very useful for, you know, for a lot of deployments. I'm actually unfamiliar with that. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to look into using that. Yeah, I'll, we'll send a link out. I know, Lauren, you have ways to do this. So we have uh, this. We have ways. Ten, yeah, we have, we have ways. We have uh, like a dozen different apps, like geofencing, getting a message when you're coming up to your monthly byte count limit, log, tracking a router, seeing a router on a web page via Google Maps. We have a, they're really cool, they're no charge apps. Um, again, configuring routers, doing diagnostics, getting a text message if an interface, not even the 4G, some other interface goes down. We got an app for that. Can you set it up to text someone else? You, you can configure, again, each app is different that we've developed, mm -hmm. um, but you can actually configure what number um, would be text, texted, yes. And of course, some of the apps um, are two-way, so you text the request and get a response back, and you can set up whitelists and things like that so that you, know, you don't have a, an unauthorized uh, user trying to gain that access. Oh, I'm actually thinking of uh, April Fool's jokes early for next year. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, if you're down to technical, <laughs> Maybe April Fool's jokes, you've got to call me later. I, I, I got some good ones for you. Um, so apologies. So did uh, other people on the chat uh, have any questions you wanted to add in or personal stories from this that you wanted to share? I think somebody had a question earlier. How do you manage incoming connections on 4G if you fell over? Well, that, that's a good question. I mean, 4G sort of sort of depends on the actual uh, cellular device making its, uh, its initial call, if you will. And so you can set that up in a couple different ways as part of the configuration. You could set it up so as soon as the device, sort of, you know, the ISR comes up, that it immediately uh, makes its LTE connection. You can also set up for, uh, for a backup type of scenario where the connection is made on demand. And you know, there's various thought processes, of, uh, you know, uh, for a backup configuration. You know, which one is better? And everybody's, you know, it, I guess it could be like uh, chocolate or vanilla. But really, the always-on backup um, is a really good option because you can sort of always test and and access to know that your that your backup connection is operating uh, for that time that we hope never comes if the primary link goes down. So the always-on connection seems to be very popular. And since it doesn't really take very much data out of a data plan to keep it up all the time, we're seeing quite a bit of that. And, I'm yeah, and that's, actually, that's actually what I use. Um, because if it's not there and the site fails and you have some issue failing over, uh, you can't access the router if, if the connection's not up. So Exactly. So we, we like that one a lot. And again, it, it, it doesn't cost much, if you will, from a, you know, a data usage perspective. So it, it's a good way, 
you know, good one to have. And like you're saying, you can also use it for, you know, for out of band, you know, coming in from a, you know, a different way. And to do that, of course, the connection would have to be up. So besides my little uh, pranks, what sort of security are we talking about here? Well, that's a good question, and and it's a wide question. Um, so you know, let's um, let's have some you know some talk about that. So you might think, wow, it's wireless stuffs over the air, radio waves. Then uh, anybody can just you know listen in. Really, with LTE, the modulation of the signal is also encrypted, and it varies by service provider, but it's not uncommon to have the uh, actual traffic besides its modulation techniques, which are rather complex, to also be encrypted, for example, like AES with 128-bit key. So from the standpoint of the last mile, you could almost say it's, well, it's at least not less secure than like a T1 circuit, which of course, if you manage to get your way into a central office, um, you know, could be, could be in the clear, right? So the, the signal there is, um, you know, encrypted, which is nice over the air, but obviously that's not enough. Organizations that are worried about um, you know, security, they want to really have that security and the encryption part of that security be end-to-end. So often what, what uh, organizations will do is you know, they'll use uh, LTE with a, as a public service, an Internet service, and then they'll run their uh, VPN, their virtual private networking technology, across that 4G connection. And of course, part of IWAN, Lauren, that you mentioned earlier, one of the IWAN legs, if you will, is DMVPN, right? One of the mm-hmm. many uh, VPN uh, uh, choices that, uh, that, that organizations have with you know, a, a Cisco router, for example. And um, you can use that uh, very well across 4G. But it's important to mention that, that some service providers will offer LTE for private networking. In other words, although you're over that same RF that other people are using, you end up on a different network, not a public network. And, and that different network can be directly connected to an organization's private network. It really makes that LTE connection a private line last mile a rather valuable service, and I don't think very well known. So there are many options. That companies need to request ahead of time, or how do they get that set up? Well, normally – go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say to add to that, that's exactly the way that we use it in in most cases. It's dropped in directly to like our MPLS or our AVPN, if you will, Uh, so it – it has direct access to our core. There's no, there's no private or public internet access directly off the 4G. It has to go to our data center and then get filtered before it can hit the internet. So that's exactly how we have it set up. And basically, you just have a conversation with the provider as to, you know, w- what your intentions are to use this type of solution, and then they they engineer it from there for you. Exactly right. That the, the service providers will offer public or private and various ways to, if you will, hand off all that 4G private data into your network. It it sort of goes back to the theme that we've had running a bit through this, which is really wireless is becoming um, a feasible last-mile access 
along with wireline and it's it's very exciting and mike i'm glad to hear that you know you've uh, you've been able to highlight an example that you know the way you're getting your lte access from a provider you know for the organization um, that you support is actually with the private network option yeah it, it definitely takes a lot of uh, configuration out of the way uh, if if you're using like a dmvpn or something like that um, yeah, it, in in my opinion, it was the easiest way to to get what we wanted. So, are there other aspects um, that maybe we haven't touched on? Because I'm, I'm not seeing a lot more questions in the chat, but I wanted to make sure we you know covered ha huh, all of 4G. Well, I guess I could you know just mention a, a few other things. It's like you know, we talked a lot about. Wow, how wireless is you know approaching wireline, right? Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is you know for the costs uh, and you know looking at uh, the availability, a lot of times it's it's really really attractive because at the relative price points you can get a lot more bandwidth than let's say a fractional T1. So mm -hmm. that part's exciting. But beyond that, wireless in itself is is offering some things that really complement and things that differentiate it from wireline. You know, so for example, once you have 4G, you can also set up to know the location of that device. And you might think, well, why would I need the location? I can get that in many other ways. Well, if the device is temporary or movable, or it's in a train, or it's in a delivery vehicle. So are we now talking about like dwell, dwell time and, and mapping like that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, and they're the types of things that you can do because when you get the LTE, almost always the device that has it, for example, a Cisco router, has GPS capability. Now, just a quick note that may that, that may require uh, you know to an antenna connected to it, and of course the antenna tends to have either line of sight or some other way to you know to hit the satellites, but you can absolutely do those things. So how long? Where's the truck been? Where's its path? Where, where was it uh, sitting for some period of time, right? All those types of things. Are, is it an ATM machine or a kiosk? That thing should be in a certain place. We should know where it is. Has it been moved or has the signal gone away? You know, somebody should be alerted, uh, you know, about that. Some things that, of course, you know, are just inherent perhaps in 4G that we wouldn't necessarily have in wireline. Are TMAs, not TMAs, uh, ATMs, do they move around a lot, or is well, they're not supposed to. <laughs> and somebody would <laughs> yes. certainly want to know. Certainly want to know if they were. Although sometimes there's you know stating events or conferences oh. and things like that. And then an ATM provider or a bank or something may move you know something in an area. So there's times when they are moved and you want to know, and there's times that they shouldn't be moved and you still want to know. Well, yeah, I think I with ATMs also the the traffic is so small that. It, it would be a waste of money to use anything other than 4G uh, because of the, the cost for like a DSL or a T1 or something like that. Yep, the provisioning cost, absolutely. You know, it, it, you know, all those, you know, not just the, the monthly cost, but also how much it costs to put in. Where is the thing? And sure. the great thing about 4G is it just continues to. Can you be more ubiquitous? I'm not sure, but if you can, it is. So beyond like mapping and dwell time, are there other cool features that I may have interrupted you from, from going into? 
well, but there's some things that, you know, maybe more special case, but hey, you know, um, all cases are important. There might be things like in manufacturing, oil and gas, utilities, Department of Defense, where you have these closed networks, right? They're, and they're, they're closed because, well, you know, you don't want any internet access to them. Well, with 4G, you can have that private line connection that, uh, that you know, Mike and I and you know, others chatted about. But the other thing you can do is when you have GPS, you also can get clock. And oftentimes these closed systems need to have all their components synchronized for time because processes that may run on them. Well, another feature you get when you get your 4G interface and GPS is as part of the GPS, you can get clock sync. And so we actually have uh, a solution, a little free app that syncs an ISR clock from GPS time sync and then acts as an NTP server and can advertise that to other devices. So again, it may be a smaller use case, but for the folks that need it, it's a really important one. So we're not going to have 12 o'clock blinking on all of our devices? Only on April Fool's. That was one of the ones that I was going to mention to you, but now you, hmm. you, know, now you know already. Uh, you know, and, and don't forget the, the spritzer in the sink, you know, the one to wash the dishes, put the rubber band around it and facing it towards the person that's going to then open the faucet. Oh, well, right, I'm the only one at my house, so I don't wish to play jokes on myself. It's so, wow. so awkward when I fall for them. Um, I see someone asking about geofencing, and I actually was curious. Can you go into more detail? What is that actually? Apologies for not knowing. Yep, no, that's a great question. So, you know, geofencing is, you know, if you will, sort of fencing in something in a geographical area, sort of knowing where it is. And the GPS capabilities in these LTE modems, you know, um, you know, provide the geopositioning system, right, which has been around for, for a long time now, when you have a 4G interface and the antenna, again, that can sort of see the sky, you can get precise coordinates down to, you know, if you will, some number of meters, right, 50 meters, 100 meters, you know, depends, you know, accuracy depending actually sort of where you are in the world. Um, you, you can get very good information on where that device is. So what you can do then is if you have a way to gather the information on where the device is, its location information, if you determine that that device is operating in an area where it should not be, you can, for example, be alerted and perhaps take that device out of service. So one of those free iOS, capital I, apps that we have actually can do that. It can sense where it is, and if it's in the wrong place, in other words, too far away, too many degrees away from where it should be, or if the signal from the GPS is lost, which maybe somebody cut the antenna, you can have that ISR send an alert or send a text message to say it's out of the area it should be operating. This to so me not, sounds like a, almost like a dog collar for devices. An ISR dog collar. I think you just. <laughs> I mean, it won't. It won't like it. electrocute the the person holding the the device or you know moving it necessarily. But you know, sounds like things. it could be a feature for the new model. Ooh, feature. <laughs> IDC baby, I'm I'm on it. The ISR dog collar. I think you invented one, Lauren. 
I'm, I hope I get my name on the patent for that. <laughs> that would make me so happy. Um, so I think on that note, unless I'm seeing more questions or things we need to dive into, maybe we could wrap up, or are there more things we have that we could discuss? I think a wrap up is okay. I, you know, I, you know, I uh, first of all want to, you know, thank you, Lauren and Mike, and all the participants. And I think what we talked about today should prove interesting for the many use cases that we're seeing for 4G, whether it's in a store or a warehouse or on an oil rig or on heavy machinery or on a truck or a train. We're seeing that for either primary or backup access, 4G is really a viable option to provide uh, connectivity, whether it's Internet connectivity um, or private line connectivity. So I guess mm -hmm. that's sort of my take on it. And the only other thing I'll add is we're seeing a lot in retail too where folks want the guest Wi-Fi mm. away from the network. They put 4G in and they make it a completely separate network but still provide good performance for guest users. Yeah, because I mean, I would assume most people really want to see, want to be able to be online in the store, but they don't want them uh, able to access uh, like credit card or other yep. PCI things. And, and we're seeing that across the Cisco line. So not just what we talked about mostly today, the Cisco you know, ISRs, but uh -huh. also the, the Cisco Meraki solution that covers many you know, retail and hospitality small business, lots of various solutions, also supports 4G. So really I think we see it as something important to leverage across our solution set. Well, awesome. This actually has been pretty fascinating, so thank you very much. Um, and thank you to our co-host Mike, and uh, thanks for everyone else who was asking awesome questions in the chat. Um, this has been another fantastic episode of Cisco Champion Radio, and I'll hear from all of you next week. <laughs>